Intentional Queen Journey family. It's Janine back for another episode. Welcome back. This is Intentional Queen Podcast Journey to Restoration with Janine. I am your host. I'm a certified life coach, and I am also here to give you everything from self-love, self-healing, and growth mindset. Let's rewind what we've been talking about on the podcast lately. We've just been talking about shining your light bright, being your authentic self, but today I got something real special for you. You know, I'm really big on vulnerability, and I believe there's strength and vulnerability is something that's not really talked about in our day-to-day communities. And so I was able to go ahead and get Miss Marilyn, the chef, to come through. She is an influencer, but she is also a chef and she's doing big things where she is in New York. So we're going to get ready to welcome her to the podcast. If you're not on the Intentional Queen View Fuel, that is the free newsletter that comes out the last Thursday of every month where I give you growth tips, affirmations, podcast stuff, anything that's mindset work on what we discuss is going to be there for you. So you can sign up for that. That's everything you need to be at the website. We also have the patreon community cost of a coffee where i create that community for you guys to come through for accountability for support anything you need and i touch in and give you a little bit of coaching on the side so without further ado guys let's jump in and talk about miss marilyn the chef hey marilyn how you doing girl how are you i am doing good i am so glad to have you so let me just give the people a little background on how i really got introduced to you. I have a friend, Latorsha P. She has a podcast called Ice Coffee and Self-Care. And you were actually a speaker on her podcast in the past, but I have been following you since then. And I have been watching your journey. Um, You know, you'll talk more about it, but you had some health problems that happened. And you talked about how you had to rebuild your life after that. And I said, you know what, this falls right into everything we talk about here on the podcast. But what me and you really want to dig into is vulnerability. So Marilyn, tell me a little bit about you. I am a human that (laughs) grew up in New York in the Bronx, BX all day. And um, let's see, I am a mother, right? Besides being that divine human, I was blessed to be a parent of four divine daughters who are thriving and I'm so glad they're in my life. (laughs) You know, they are my cushions, they are my strength and I say that with pride past from the past generations that kids are our strength. They are our ladders sometimes, little bit tiny people, right? So besides that, I am a chef. I focus on natural eating, plant-based food without any real diet restrictions because we know um, I'm also an advocate for food justice, um, making the world see food apartheid for what it is, is certain neighborhoods don't have access because of the race of the neighborhood, point blank period. And I'm an educator. I create curriculums about food education because there's no point going outside and, and, and with a bullhorn without creating um, change amongst ourselves. And like I like to say, not dressing up like change, but actually being changed. And that requires time, energy, going in the mud with people and in a society where everything is about a seven second video of information, lots of information, and not many people holding us, uh, not accountable. Oh, everybody want to hold us accountable, but holding us in love. Maya Angelou said, love is liberating, not controlling. The difference in that is what I had to learn first. And in all my curriculums, I add an element of vulnerability and that's why they stick out. I put in vulnerable practices because middle schoolers, high schoolers really are vulnerable 
and we mute them. So that is the purpose for me to be on this earth, to help our Black, Hispanic, um, people to not be muted. All people, I love all people, but I am focused on the community like myself who has no access and is uncomfortable as that make people seem, um, that may seem to pe make people feel, excuse me, it's clear what's happening and it is just time to talk more about it. You know what I mean? Listen, we can rehab this candid conversation. So I think you touched on so much. One, I like how you talked about that. Maya Angelou, you better come on talking about bringing in love and not just accountability. And then also talking about the kids that brought it up for me, it just kind of touched on what I believe is your why. So sometimes our kids can be our why to keep us pushing, especially we both been through some health situations and we got some testimonies out there that's blessing people. And so, you know, I think that, understanding that our kids can sometimes be a reflection of us and how we can pour into them, but also recognizing our past of how, you know, it may not just necessarily be in our household of generational trauma, but just a community of generational trauma that we're trying to break that stigma up off our kids and help them to see things. And vulnerability wasn't something that was really um, pushed in, in my genre. And so I'm big on that. It's a little scary to be vulnerable because you know when you out there you bring in you can get you can get all types of backlash but the the revelation in that is it frees you to be your authentic self and be your true self so that's beautiful I love everything for you telling me your background your credentials and kind of how you became a chef so tell me a little bit about hmm discuss how and why you became the chef like what's what's the meat behind that because you had kids but there was something in you that said I really want to be a chef so what really kind of led you that way well I was a chef before I became a parent because I didn't become a parent so I was 33 years old because of fertility um issues so that's that's and it's linked that all of that's linked so I moved to Pennsylvania when I was about 20 some years old with an addiction and my best friend had died and so my addiction elevated and I was working as a paralegal because I used to want to become a lawyer and my boss was a divine woman paid for me to go live with she said I don't care what it takes I need you to get out of here because after my friend was brutally murdered a day after I was with her all my addictions just ran amok because I, I was at a stage where vulnerability wasn't a good practice. I didn't have anyone to talk to and it was consuming me. So I moved to Pennsylvania and I tried to become a paralegal out there. And I was, I had to, this was about nine, ugh, 99 or two, maybe 2001. It's a really long time ago. I'm 44 now. Right. Um, I went there excited about continuing my path to become a lawyer. They had um, their East Strasburg university had a three, three program to become like just all this for, to become a, a, a lawyer. And then I tried to apply for a job in New York. I was making about $16 an hour. And that was a lot of money back then. It was probably a little bit too much for my young behind um, to do with. But $16 an hour when you had about uh, about $400 rent, it was it was a lot. And then I went there and they were offering $750 an hour to do the same exact work. And I could not. I was just like, OK, this is not the career for me. Then I found my old boss tried to connect me to some people that she knew. The most I was getting was about $10 an hour and I was not having that 
So I became a waitress. I found out what is going on out here in Pennsylvania, Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. Food, that's what's going on because it is the Poconos. It is a resort. Resorts were everywhere. So I found a place to become a waitress and I was making more than 16 an hour waitressing nonstop because I didn't have children and I'm a Scorpio workaholic. <laughs> that's another story, right? So anyway, when I got into this one cafe called Everybody's Cafe, I love this place. It was in a beautiful home and that they took a house and renovated. And it was a couple, they were Korean and um, German couple, weird couple, had the most divine, unique cuisine. And so they loved me. They said, come become a catering waitress. When I became a catering waitress and I became the catering waitress manager. It's just like, and who knows? I didn't even know I was ever gonna be in culinary. I love to cook, I love food, but culinary wasn't it. Then from there, I got so hooked, I got a job offer because I also had always had office experience, administrative experience. The hotel asked me if I wanted to be the accounting manager for their kitchen. For their, They had a restaurant, a bar, and um, uh, bridal services. So that entire department, the hospitality department, I was the accounting manager. Girl, I had no experience, but one thing I've always been able to do, that's why I'm a great entrepreneur, is sell ice to Eskimos, okay? <laughs> and I got myself in there and I would hang out after work with the chef who was from Nepal. And he used to call me the little black girl who hooks him up. And I used to be like, you about to lose your life. Cause you know, it was Pennsylvania. He's like, well, I, I, you, I could call you colored or black, which one you want. I'm like, you can call me Marilyn. That's what you can call me. That's my name. <laughs> but he started to help me um, understand food. They shipped and they had an oven in there to make non bread. There was a Middle Eastern, um, North African cuisine. South um, and Asian cuisine. It was just a mixture. Yet again, I'm in a place that was international and food was not limited like it was in the Bronx for me. So this, these chefs were very unique. And so eventually I became a sous chef there and helping with food and learning how to make things from scratch. And I was telling him I'm infertile. I was about to get married. And he said, well, it's because you were from here. That's why you're infertile. He was like, in India, people lay on the floor and give birth on concrete floors and eat maybe one or two meals a day and they are not infertile. So when he said that to me, that was just, it's, it's, it's still far-fetched, right? Listen, because I said, what now? <laughs> like exactly. And because of that, he started to introduce me to spices and spices are life. <laughs> life is, you know what I mean? My, that's my own word, you know, but that spices life came and exploded my body. I started to feel the healing and feel the change in my body, but the key element did not change, which was stress, which I think is key to infertility and all Ooh. the things that are going on. And I'll talk about eating. kids in a minute. Cause you know, I got my own little struggles on that part. So come on now. Yes. So that is how I got into culinary. So now I have all this experience and now I'm, I get married and I'm getting married to this minister and I think my life is going to transform. And it wasn't because I was still the same old Marilyn and I didn't understand vulnerability. And my ex-husband was very vulnerable. I've never seen a man cry. He was a minister, also a musician. I mean, we used to go to do some master healing around <laughs> Newark and all these different places. And we would be fighting and cussing each other out. I was doing more of the cussing um, all the way there. <laughs> and, and that's when my relationship, my spiritual relationship really grew because then we would arrive and all our gifts would be all the way out there. And that's why I've never looked at life as deeds. 
Deeds are not what make you great. Things do not make you great. It is your passion because like I explained the, um, before, I'll jump into this on come, coming back to New York, is like a tree. The, the, it's waves. Those roots are waves. And I mean, the science behind it is trees have to come up. In, in most places they plant trees, it's compacted soil. So the tree has to come up for air, has to adapt to its environment. But if you look on a background at a tree's roots, it looks chaotic because that's how people look at our lives like oh that's chaotic you did that you was over here you was over here that just doesn't make sense you you need to I'm get pause you one second yeah. there Marilyn. say that one more time for the person in back tell me about these trees and what it do when it wave because this you just gave somebody <laughs> right there say it again say it. so it's my, my life seems kind of like the roots of a tree when most trees are planted in compacted soil so they have to adapt compacted soil soil doesn't allow you to breathe it doesn't allow the water to flow like these landscapers think. So what happens? The roots bust up and go back in, come up for air and go back in and then move in any direction to make sure it finds its path, not toward its darkness, not toward because I'm I'm unbalanced and I'm off and I'm going sideways. No, I'm going toward the air. I'm going toward the water, a tree planted by the living water, a river of living waters. I need to find my water and my oxygen. You think I look chaotic, but I'm smart. I'm over here following my, my destiny. Come on now. That's what I'm really doing. So we need to get out of this artificial view of what is anointing, what is greatness, what is success. And if your success is straight line, then boo-hoo, let's hope it don't rain today. And even if you got two umbrellas, just the sound of the rain might distress you if you need straight lines. But if you are sitting in that vulnerable space that my career can move from any direction, it can move here and there as long as I'm honoring my divine calling, as long as I'm coming up for air and drink my water, hello. And that is the journey of Pennsylvania. Then I end up divorced and back in New York unable to find a job in culinary because New York has a different kind of system in their kitchens. It's a different kind of stereotypes, different kind of, I went to Italy, I studied here. And that's not, I'm not shaming that. I'm just shaming the fact that that's not the only people who are great. You know what I mean? They come, great people come from the Bronx eating chitlins, you know, and, and can thrive because if you know how to survive off chitlins and you definitely gonna know how to use kale properly, you know what I'm saying? It's the power of perspective and that's it. Right? If you can make Midland versus kale, I got it. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. And so now I had to decide and I realized, okay, no one's going to hire me. I got to start my own stuff. And I started a catering business with no money. I didn't have kids yet. So I was just willing to do the dirt and go hard and deal with people. And then I realized people weren't my people. I didn't want to deal directly with people because then I would never get paid. <laughs> so I get, got deeper into business, really studying entrepreneurship, not going back to school, but literally sitting in the library for hours, understanding because I ran an accounting department in a hotel my books have always been good. I always know how to keep books really well because of that experience, right? But just having, um, but we have to remember that our, uh, thank you, my daughter made me a, 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 a fruit bowl. Oh, <laughs> this oh. is so nice. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> Take a pause and honor her for that, yes. right? Yes, um, definitely. Mm, tastes good. Thank you. <laughs> oh. you take care oh. of us. Listen, that's something for somebody too. Come on. Mm -hmm. 
so now I'm here and now I know that entrepreneurship is the demand because I will not stop what I'm doing because someone says I'm not qualified. That you know, that ain't my staff. <laughs> yes, you like I'm, I'm a find a way. Bronx, and people want to say I'm from the Bronx, so I'm ashamed. No, I'm from the Bronx, mean I'm ready to play any game, any season, any time, because no element, you can't stop when you're in poverty. You can't stop when you're living in the most poorest congressional district in the country. To this day, it's one of the top 10 poorest congressional districts in this country. And you could look at that like, ew, the Bronx. Or you could look at that, those people must be popping. Because when you go there, there ain't no stores closed down. It ain't abandoned no more. But we're going to get into the, we don't want to get in the root of why it's still called that, right? I look at it as no matter what, I can thrive. Oh, if wow. I can thrive in those elements and I could sure thrive in other spaces and I wouldn't stop. And I said, no, my kitchen is going to be in a, in a village. And people laughed at me. I found a rental space and a guy and I, I rented his, the kitchen. He ran the bar and we split his space. And I had a, a, my first kitchen on East 10th Street, you know? On the outside, it looks like you're jumping in too fast. I'm always going to jump in too fast because I don't have time to take your 12-year um, um, rules and regulations that, and you still ain't going to give me what I want. I need my paper. Okay, I was I was a I was a 19 year old making $16 an hour. You think I'm going to be taking stuff like that now? No, I jumped in. He was fraudulent. He had other issues. I learned and I grew. I have no regrets. But I had a kitchen on East 10th Street in Manhattan, you know, paying that rent. My dad invested in me and I'm so grateful. This is why we have to be here. I was a grown, grown woman. He didn't have to invest in me. I will always invest in my kids from that example because I wouldn't have been able to do it without someone standing with you. You can't Ooh. do this alone. Mm, you're not an island. I just was talking about that. And your network is as good as your network. And sometimes your network is people around seeing your mission, seeing your passion, going where you're going and be like, I just want to help you along the way. Yes. I Ooh. want to thrive with you. I want to thrive with you. And if you don't, then you can't come. And that's okay. I still love you and, and have compassion because it's not what well, the thing I want to say is as we are building ourselves and going through those waves and the roots we don't got to, the, the tree ain't going to start cursing the dog because it pissed on them. You're going to be like, yeah. oh, don't piss over here though. You right. got to go over there. But I don't be like, oh, see, you, I, you, I'm above you. You beneath me. That's what we do. We instantly want to cut. And that's yes. when we know that our core is not well. It's not well if you have to curse someone because y'all different. No, but you can definitely set boundaries. We, we, we use boundaries now as a way to not support people. Oh, I, I'm setting my boundaries. No, if you always tired, you ain't done nothing for no one for a whole year but yourself. That's not boundaries. That's selfish. There's a difference. We're not on here to be individuals. We're, on, we're here to be individuals living in community. That is the mm -hmm. difference, you know? Mm -hmm. So in that, now, boom, my, it grows struggled and I go to another kitchen. I decided to do pop-ups, start doing pop-ups with healthy eating. My next one was in the bus village, went in there and debt came out, owed him nothing. The man didn't want me to leave. He was like, this man owned this dive bar, which is still around for like 15 years. That is a businessman. He owned two in the, the Brooklyn. He knows business. And so when he believed in me, it be I believed in myself. And so I that, that's your self-belief. Yes. Come on, his dive bar, I used to walk in there at 5 a.m. to start a brunch because I only rented it for the weekend. And it would smell like urine. It was 
filthy. Uh, you know what a dive bar is? Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. no, they talk about our spots. Let's talk about <laughs> dive bars. Okay. So it just meant I would find paraphernalia, all types of stuff. But I'm from the Bronx. So a little coat bag, a little syringe ain't scaring me. Mm -hmm. I'm ready for all the elements. But stop running from your past and utilize your past to thrive in any condition. Mopping, bleaching. Sometimes I would walk in, people would, I remember one time I walked in and one of his friends had his drawers on. He was so toe up. And I went and I gave him a cup of water. I said, get it together. You got 15 minutes because now my shift starting. I pay for this. And the owner just looked at me and he Making just, business. He, up. he got up. You know what I mean? He got up and got himself together. Like telling his friend, come on, come on. He was trying to help his friend. I said, I don't got a time for this. Here's your water. Go. You're not scaring me. I'm not uncomfortable by you. Cause I live like this. I don't think you're worthless cause you got high or mm -hmm. you drink too much. It's life. I don't have, know your story, but I ain't your therapist. So gotta go. So I'm telling you these parts because these are the parts that make people quit. You walk into a this, this is, this is live vulnerability. That's why I'm crying. It's not because it's real and it's shaped and molds you to how you got to where you are. It all started from the humble beginning because every exactly. situation environment you went in after that, it was like my past prepared me. All I kept hearing is that that situation prepared me for the next. That one prepared me for the next. It was like you built on. So come on now. You're giving and, a whole word right here. Come on. Come on. And from the, that spot to the next spot, I started, to, then I was, I was on my second kid at this time in the brink of a divorce. I knew it was coming, but it wasn't coming yet. It wasn't, it wasn't up to me to just run from the second marriage. Right. So I moved it to Brooklyn because it just was, it was a lot to commute and I mean, this was a literal kitchen that was ran by interns and myself with one staff member that I paid and everyone else was working for free. And I was getting a rotation of them because after this, they graduate, I got to get new people, you know, and everyone didn't want to come with me. I had a one young man who wrote me up and said, I'm too soft. She's, and I think she's almost religious and it's sickening. And I said, Ooh, okay. I said, that's the best compliment I ever had. And he looked at me, he said, well, I'm going to write you up. I said, go right ahead. I'm not worried. I made him uncomfortable. He said, kitchen supposed to be tough and aggressive and you soft." I said, but how come I'm making my rent and more? So I, I said, cause you're, you're, you're comparing it to failure, right? So, but I'm not failing, <laughs> I'm winning. So I'm winning on my terms. I will not have an abusive kitchen. I will not be cussing out people because I'm stressed. Oh, I'm tough. Marilyn is not the one, but I'm like, we tough. I'm like, well, when they come in the kitchen, here's your herb water. We got a jug, drink this water with your herbs and your lemon because I need you to be hydrated and thriving. And, and, and just self-care was bothersome. These are kids from the Bronx because I picked the school from my old hood, Monroe College. That's where I picked the school. And they were commuting to the village because I wanted them to have different experiences. And they thought, it's, no, it's not a five-star hotel, but I don't want you to just experience the top chef who's part of a restaurant group who were who they funded them had capital i want you to see someone who had nothing nothing i wrote a contract that had me in debt to this man and i don't regret it because i wouldn't have been able to get into the west village on my own mm -hmm. so now i have on my business um 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 one page or my capability statement says owner of a space in the East and, and also the West village. That's my net worth because mm. I knew those owners. My, my ex-husband knew another owner. And then we got to the next place and I was popping up all over the place because of my network. 
and they and now we're in Brooklyn. Now all this is happening. I'm I'm in my last pop up. I start fainting. I find out in the middle when I'm thinking we about to get divorced and I'm pregnant again with my third child. And I was I fainted in the kitchen. I was so upset. I was upset because I was just like, what does this mean? Like that song from Lauren Hill. Look at your career. They said, you know what I mean? Lauren, baby, use your head. But instead, I chose to use my heart and have yet another child when my womb was once cursed. And now it's thriving. It's oh, thriving. You got to make me cry up in here because exactly. I'm feeling all this. I feel, go ahead now. Speak yes, on it. Yes, it's Speak thriving. It. My career is thriving. My body is thriving. But if I looked at it the way people on the outside looked at it, mm -hmm. I would feel like I'm failing. Oh, another place closed. I have to leave that place. Oh, now I'm pregnant. Oh, now I'm getting divorced. Oh, now all I can say, now I'm free from a marriage I didn't want to be in no more. Now my body is literally telling all the drugs they try to offer me and I said no to that they are lie. And I did it anyway. While I'm loud, while I'm hood, while I'm crying, while I'm falling apart, I must be balanced because my body that once was saying no is now saying Say yes. yes. Say it one more time because you just now somebody. my body that was saying no is now saying yes. Oh, and I'm gonna say yes with it. Join in in my body and say yes with it. Yes. And now you know from that I started. I wrote uh my first uh series called the Marriage of Mind and Body. And while I was pregnant with my daughter, I had this mentor. Her name was Miss Mary. I called her. She's out of the country. I think now. Um, I haven't spoke to her in years, but she said, okay, she would mentor so many people. She was Tony Robbins, but you know, us, us black women don't get the shine like Tony right. Robbins. She was right. doing that eighties, no internet, being a life coach when that wasn't even existing. And she started coaching me. She said, I want to do this for free. This is part of my blessing. And she said, I'm going to get you a start because I don't want you just in those kitchens. You have a voice and people need to hear you. And I was looking at her. I was like, I know. I, found, I was, I was, I knowing it up. Because all this time while I'm doing these different pop-ups, I'm working with legislators teaching food justice for free, volunteering with my local legislators, um, going to the community, speaking, bringing my culinary interns. One of my interns that I was sensing me, she changed her major from culinary to law after she was working and, and volunteering. We was doing these public speaking. And she was like, I feel like there's something else I need to do. I need to be out here advocating for people as an attorney and changed her major. And I didn't be like, oh my God. I was like, yes, that's what my kitchen's supposed to do. Not create Going black And giving back. I'm telling you. And then your harvest come in. You, go, you don't always get it where you where you sold it. You get it in other places. That's why I be trying to tell people. Ooh. They be thinking you're going to reap the harvest exactly where you were. No, 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 no. You may reap it somewhere else. And when you talk about the life coaching space, I, it just really made me think about some things. Because for me, like my humble beginnings was I wanted to be a nurse at four years old. I always wanted to help people. I was able to tell you what college I was going to go to, how I'm going to do it. This is what I'm going to do. You know, I was valedictorian at 17. I had a lot of receipts in that aspect, all these degrees behind my name, but but I feel comfortable sitting behind a podcast mic. God put it on my spirit that you need to be speaking to people and, and doing these things. So it may not look like everything that I thought it would be, but all those back things, right? All those places I sat in, all those students I've invested in, all those things, it, it comes in a different way. And so it all prepared me for where I sit now to be able to talk about vulnerability, to be able to talk about authenticity, because those weren't things that was discussed with me when I was younger. I struggled in them spaces because people didn't look like me. And I was like, but I'm here. And then you being tough. But at the same time, part of your inner child is not being nurtured because you don't know how to be fully you because you're trying to be a chameleon in a spot where nobody looks like you. Ooh. 
because you want to belong. And so you <laughs> learn how to adapt. And, you know, back in the day, that's what they had to do. You just happy to get the job. When you talk about money, let's not even talk about salaries on that thing. So <laughs> it's like, listen, I'll be in like, like my worth is this. And so it, it's a catch 22 for me because I was raised more to be hardcore, very rough around the edges. So if you talk to people who talk about me and my teens, I'm a millennial too. I'll be 40 this year. But if people talk about how I was about 17 or 22, 25, I was rough around the edges because I didn't take nothing because I had worked so hard to get there. I was like, I don't. And then I got softer with marriage. And then I had my own fertility issues. My son was a twin. I lost the twin baby. Like, and then I got divorced. It was so much that happened. And I was just in a place that was just bad. You know what I mean? I was resentful. Um, My career kind of took uh, like, like you said, sometimes your career is at its highest, but your relationships and everything else is horrible. So then you got to make a choice on, well, do I not thrive in something that I work so hard to, or do I go over here? So then you're torn. And then that's why I told you before on our console about my who is different than my do. And I got to a place that when my life was shattered and I, I mean, I had family betrayals. It was so much that happened in a three year span. I was like, man, but my career was all right though. And then I had to turn around, look at my child and look at him needing me because at some point, you know, my son was hospitalized back in October, but he came and woke me up and said, come help me breathe. Like you make the people breathe at work, help me. And he wasn't, listen, he was almost blue and I had to hurry up and get into my mojo. But I thought about, well, I wouldn't know what that looks like if I didn't have his career. You know what I mean? And then we got to the hospital and they was trying to tell me ABCDFG and my mom could testify to that. And I said, no, he's not going anywhere. We need to see the bewitching hour because as soon as he now calms down because I'm here, he's rested and he's breathing, his sats are going to drop. As soon as I said that, his sats start dropping and we had to stay. So my whole point is all those things, all that hard work, me driving into places, man, it was crazy. That's why my, my parents would tell you, my parents and my brother, I would drive into places that had the KKK to go get a special training because I wanted to learn how to do these special injections for anesthesia. Mm-hmm. And I drove up there one day, three hours away from where I live. I was staying for a week. Somebody sponsored me to go. Most people didn't want to go, but somebody sponsored me. I was like, I'm going because they sponsored me to stay and eat because I was poor because when you go to anesthesia school, it's like becoming a doctor. You're not mm-hmm. supposed to work. You ain't getting no income. I had a house. I wasn't married yet. I met my ex-husband after school. And so long story short, I make it to this place. I go to like a Wendy's to get some food and the people throw the money at me when I get to the first window when they realize I'm black. Mm. Never experienced that. The number two, I had forgot like some toothpaste or something like that. So I ran to the Target. And when I hit the Target, it was like the song that just goes, like I walked in, I'm like, I've never experienced any of that. And then the third thing was I went into this facility to get this training and the person who was mentoring me there, he realized I was black, of course, if you can see me. But he said, please don't be alone with these people while you're here. And I was like, what you mean? He said, well, that one's the head of the KKK. So you don't want to be there with that. And then um, I was like, well, you know, I'm I'm in my 20s. Mm. I'm by myself. He like, park your car, call me and my wife when you get there. Call us with this, call us with that. And I was just like, man, mm. I, I've never witnessed any of this. But here I am, like, I'm still going. So I went back the next week. I just bought myself a pizza. I ain't tell nobody. I pulled up and it got my pizza. And I ate that pizza all week. I had a cooler. My parents were like, where the hell are you going? I'm like, I'm going back. I mean, like, because I wanted, so where I'm saying is the determination of when you said you got to that dive bar and, you know, they trying to scare you with the drugs. When you didn't been where you'd have been, it ain't nothing. Woo! 
and people judge me and criticize me in so many ways. So people who see me now in this element, it took me a while to do this podcast because like to show my video, like show me, like if you were one-on-one with me, you would get that energy, but to be like on a platform and put my face on social media and all that, I was like, nah, that's not what I'm doing. But when you're led with purpose, the money comes, the people come, you start stepping, you're like, all right. And the past just keeps you going. Mm-hmm. So, but this is the thing, just like you said to me, and I think this is going to help somebody too. You may not look like what you've been through. Cause we got on the phone. You was like, girl, you almost 40. What now? <laughs> Come on. And so that's vulnerability too. Ooh. Like I'm trying to hold my tears back. That's why I'm up here like this because <laughs> um, I was always, I felt like you couldn't express yourself mm. emotionally. If you look emotionally, you know, like crying or like that, then you look weak and then they smell the, the blood and then they come for you. Right. And they like, Oh, she weak. And so then it's trying to find that balance of how to be assertive with boundaries, not selfish, but have boundaries, but also show up as yourself and say, this is who I am and be proud of it. Because, you know, like we said, we're in our forties, you know what I mean? And it's like, it don't take you till you get a little bit in that late thirties or forties for you to really be like, I love me. I'm me and accept it, you know, and be, be okay to lose people. Yes. That's the biggest thing. Be okay to lose people. That's why I said my whole year was balanced, but like all of the fall of 2022, I talked about purging. And that was my revelation of, because as a nurse, I'm so used to nurturing and holding and taking you with me. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And it got to a point where I said, nah, they not meant, and I heard you say this, they not meant to be in this chapter. And so they helped you in that space, but we be trying to keep and let it go. That's hard. That was something hard for my mom friendship hoarding like we don't want to hoard things but you hoarding people they don't belong here throw it out and not throw them away because everyone's valuable everyone is valuable and they just may not be your people they are someone else's great people so don't you go throwing people away and burning bridges and harming people even when they harm you are we not talking like my mother would call it slow talk the whole religious forgive and forget. No, we're not talking that. Nobody, first of all, forgiveness is is a healing space, not for you to say your behavior was freaking okay, son. Huh? Hello? Not no religious mountaintop that gets you sick while you got ulcers because someone told you to to forgive a rapist. No, your, your behavior was sick and demented, but I still hope that you make better choices in the future. That's forgiveness. Not, oh, I forgive you. You can come back and chill with me. No, demon, you cannot. Your behaviors are demonic and I hope you can heal, but your behaviors are sick and I will never take that back. I will never tell you that they are okay. That's the old school forgiveness. Real forgiveness is acknowledging the problem, acknowledging the things you've done wrong and say bye-bye in love. I need you to go this way because you're not safe. I hope you get safe. And even when you are safe, you are not welcome back here, but I don't want to see you harming anyone else. So when we curse people and then, or forgive them by, it's okay. It's never okay. I tell my children and my children to this day, I've, I'll yell. I'm like, I'm sick this, I do that. And I'll be like, you know what, girls, y'all don't deserve that. And they're like, I don't, I don't accept your apology right now. And I say, okay. And I walk away because it's not all about, oh, I said, sorry. Now you say, okay. No, it's not okay. Your behavior is not okay. 
But what is okay is that love will still um, penetrate this relationship. And if it may penetrate or push it out or pull it in or move it to the side for a minute, it has to be based on love. Okay. And that's where healing begins. Healing. Heal people, heal people, just like hurt people, hurt people. And so yeah. that's been like really big for me and why I feel like healing. And a lot of it starts with the inner work. And like you said, forgiveness doesn't mean you forget. Okay. <laughs> and forgiveness, in my opinion, is really about you, you forgiving yourself, like forgiving for you. Cause you may not ever get an apology. You may not, not ever get what you deserve back from whatever has happened. But forgiveness for me is like, I'm, I'm done with drinking the poison, hoping that something like you're going to change. No change starts from within. So if you're not ready to change, I'm going to wish you well, like you said, and say, good luck to you, but then focus on you and focus on the things that you want to do. Don't get stuck trying to, um, hold people accountable. Cause I think for me, because I hold myself accountable, we be trying to hold people to the thing. If they don't want to take accountability, that don't mean we got to share that space. At some point, you will be held accountable because one thing I do believe in is karma. It's a slow, patient gangster. And I don't want to be no parts of it. I want to sow good seeds so I can get good harvest. Because if you sow in bad, you won't get it back. You, There's soldiers in war who know somebody just try to shoot and kill them, but will still take the grace and close their eyes and say, listen, rest well, because we at war. We supposed to kill each other. That's what this is. But I'm not going to curse your life or people will curse you and your kids and it's going to come back. And da, da, da. When people do have harm to me, I say, you know what? You're going to see you. And I hope, and I say, and I pray over every one of your offspring because they don't deserve it. Old school used to be like, yup, it's going to come back to you, your mama, your papa, your kids. Why? And it will. So I'm going to take the leadership role and say, I don't need no more kids acting like you. I don't want the future to look like you, boo. I don't want your bad behavior to keep like waves and go across the country and sicken our, our water, poison our rivers with your sickness. No, I go get help over there. And I hope you find an isolated place so that your sickness won't hurt no one else. This is not a game. This is a life that we get to shine in and even at times glow so bright that we don't see the darkness. But we have to remember, excuse moi. When you are light and you walk in the room, you can't be scared of the dark because the moment the sun comes up, it's light. I don't care what is going on. Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's a shootout. The moment the sun comes up, the night is over. So if you are light, if we light out here, like we love to say, when you walk in the room, so let's stop being scared to go in the darkness. Stop being scared to see what's dark and dying. Because that's who needs the help, mm -hmm. not the church hat. Mm -hmm. That's who needs the darkness needs the help. So listen here, you don't have to go in no darkness, but you better not be out here calling yourself a warrior because you're going to get the darkness. Yeah. It's going to show up because you're saying, ooh, when the wolf howls at the womb, it's calling. It's You may not understand, but that wolf is, is, is letting the prey know also. Ooh, that might be they, I just ate a good meal. Mm -hmm. And it's giving warning to all you who don't belong in my throat tonight. You're best to go into hiding. You mm -hmm. understand? We don't know the cause. The animals, when a tsunami is coming, we sitting down drinking margaritas at on the island because we 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 glowing, mm -hmm. but we not knowing. Mm -hmm. The animals in Japan was 
on a mountain. No they one knows know. the mountain that the animals was leaving because they was they were sipping margaritas in the resort. They was, was chilling ready, they or they were laboring. But you know what? A lot of the if you look the research, a lot of the laboring and land workers were safe because they watch animals. They live amongst the wild. We are glorious and glamorous. Be glamorous. Shine up. We deserve it. But don't you forget to see. And mm. that is vulnerability. Mm. I look like I crave most of my life. I have been stigmatized. I was in a hospital as a teenager in the 90s where my family was like, somebody in my family said I went to jail. I had all so many stories when I came back because it was cooler. And when they call each other, we emotional. Oh, everyone is emotional. Everyone. But the, the problem is our Black and Hispanic children, the only emotion we allowed to have is smile or anger. That's cool, cracking jokes, playing people. Oh, you popping. But if I come to you and say, you hurt me, teacher Bent, Mrs. Mildred, mm -hmm. Mrs. This person, I'm hurt by your word. Oh, this kid is problematic. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Then I, now that kid gonna be muted. And one day the cute's gonna flip the heck out. Ooh, told you they were problematic. That's mm -hmm. arrest them at nine years old. We don't see the system when you mute your children. You think that child is not just absorbed. The, 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 the emotion is gone. No, it's uncomfortable for you. So own your bull crap. When my daughters all start crying and fighting, I'm uncomfortable. And it makes me mad because I never was allowed. So I have to go back in my room and say, you uncomfortable with an emotion because everybody was uncomfortable with your emotions. So I have to go back and be like, all right, what's the problem? What's going on with you? Why are you crying? What's going on in this? Because all I heard was shut up, stop crying. I've gone through my last postpartum as a grown woman. And I thought I was in a community of vibrant black power, all this stuff. And they were like, oh, we all have postpartum. What you crying about? Why you feel lonely? Because I'm alone, son. You made that choice, dub. That means I gotta suffer. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of this elevation. We have elevated economically in education. We have resources. I could talk to someone in Ghana right now on a video chat, but I can't cry in public. It's a national warfare happens. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah, a black woman. We have not too. evolved emotionally. Our <laughs> emotional freedom has been stunted. And that is why we like one in 10 of us have fibroids and cysts. I had clients who are meatless, they're vegan, they're fully vegan with fibroids all over their womb, endometriosis. It's going to attack what we can't see, but it's going to attack what creates more of us. You attack someone's womb, you attack a legacy, sweetheart. You Ooh. think you somebody attack your business is attacking a legacy. Oh, no, sweetheart. When someone attacks your womb, when this society convinces you to stop making children, to stop making more of you because it's so hard and they, kids are so annoying, so problem, duh, 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 duh. who is going to be here? Tell me. And I'm not words. telling nobody to go have a bunch of babies. I'm not saying that. But y'all make jokes about it. Like a woman with a multiple children is a bum bee. Excuse mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. No, sweetheart. You attack my womb. You attack my legacy. More than my brain. More than anything. More than my cash. I could get cash. Easy. But I couldn't have a baby. I could get. I'm, I'm a highly intelligent. I could walk in any room and adapt and learn and grow. Right? But you take away my womb. You have me walking around with labor pains. I'm going to be moody. I'm going to be cranky. I'm going to have an attitude. I'm going to be mentally stunted because in the back of my mind, I'm going to be like, what's wrong with me? 
How do I fix this? I can't fix it. What did I do wrong? Maybe I stopped with that guy. Maybe I did this. Maybe he did this to me. That's what we, you know how many women are walking around with that name mine? I had clients who their husband didn't even know they had fibroids. And he, he like, why are you bleeding? I don't want to tell him. I don't want him to think I'm low. Are you bugging? So you saying our marriages not even there are safe? It makes me want to cry. Yeah, because I'm like, sad. where can we be safe, yo? Yeah. We we safe at, yo. And you know what? You, you you get to a point that, you know, we talk about this, but I learned the vulnerability thing is being safe more with myself and, and really doing the inner work on me. And what I mean by that is when you really become safe, it's like becoming more secure in yourself. And like you said, getting a hold of them thoughts, man, them thoughts really can run amok on our body, on our actions. I was, like I said, I had thyroid disease from stress. I couldn't swallow, couldn't breathe. It was a problem. I had, it was all stress really. I was inwardly taking in all the stress. I'm like, man, so struggling with pregnancy, struggling with, I mean, it was horrible. And the rest of my life looked great, but I was struggling internally. So then I started working on me and doing the things that I need to do. Stepping back and not being like, I'm a super save all these people. No, I'm not. Taking that time for me. Doing the things like you told them students, drink your water, drink the, like, I mean, I, I mean, I worked all during COVID. And so it's like, man, it was scary. I'm going into COVID. Like you got COVID. I hope I don't die. You know what I mean? Like all that stress I was having. And yeah. then my son was just like hospitalized with pneumonia and they was talking about a pleurofusion in a chest tube. I'm like, well, I don't want to bring this home to him. I don't want to do this. So it gets to a point where you have to really check where you've been like you did when you say you check with your kids like when they when they're being boisterous I tell my son all the time it's okay to feel what you feel emotions are normal it's okay but what you're not going to do depending on what's the situation you you tackle the offense how it needs to be handled but you don't don't mute them I've learned don't mute our kids like allow them to express respectfully to a certain extent because sometimes they get out of hand but they should be able to speak what's really happening right and then like you said getting to the root because normally behavior is a symptom of something. So what's going on? Let's get to this root of what's going on. And that's the same thing for us. But as kids, they don't really have the regulatory things yet to do it like we do. And sometimes you looking at grown girls and grown boys because they haven't had the ability to learn that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you see them acting out in a different way, but they're a man or they're a woman, that's not necessarily what's going on. That's their inner child screaming out for help. I had a student... And he came back from seventh grade to eighth grade. Now he in eighth grade, he the man, right? And I'm happy. And his, I'm, I don't want to say his name, but his name meant King, right? Uh -huh. So uh, I'm just like, like, what's up? You know, and I and I had him from sixth grade. But in this eighth grade, he was like, nothing. I'm about to do me. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> this is culinary class, no nutrition, cooking. I teach a class called healthy and civic cooking class. So I'm like, when this comes, okay, okay. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's standing up. He's like, yeah, and I'm tired of you. I don't want to be a king. I'm tired of you people. To, you're trying to make me a king. I don't want to. How about that? I want to be a drug dealer. I'm going I'm to hang on corners. I was like, but aren't you a straight A? I'm being, I'm being, I'm, I'm being Marilyn. You know, I'm, I'm that, I'm that teacher. That's why the, the kids are vulnerable in me. I'm like, oh, I was like, that's weird. I thought you was a straight A student. I, I, you know, you got your game plan. I said, I bet you do, because you a math whiz, ain't you? So I bet you got that money right, right? You got the numbers. He's like, yeah, I got my card. I got, I said, you got a debit card. Oh, you want to be a drug dealer with debit card? I said, how do you get a debit card? Aren't you like 12? Sound like you got a good, I, you know my parent. And I'm tired of y'all. So he gets close, all done and said, I said, wait a minute. So I went to the dean after class. And I said, 
does someone in his family look like me? Because today I really felt like he was not speaking to Marilyn. He was speaking to the person he wanted to say those things to, but cannot. And the dean, this man was such a divine, sensitive black man. It's just always weird how they always make a black, tall, big man the dean. He said, oh my goodness. He said, I'm about to cry in the school. You're going to get me in trouble. I said, why? He said, you got a gift. I said, talk to me. He said, let me show you something. And he comes and pulls out his phone and shows like these pictures they took at a game or something. His only difference between me and his mom, down to the freckles, we had a short haircut, same complexion, had freckles, is that she was about six feet tall. She's taller than me. The same haircut. It was like he got in my face. And when he got close to me, I could see him about to weep. So I helped him because I know he couldn't cry in that class. He had to be cool. And I touched his shoulder. And he went, hmm. But he didn't move. He didn't move. He wanted me to hold him. And I said, okay, this is bigger than cooking class. This is bigger than Chef Marilyn. This is not for me. And he was speaking to his mama. Mm-hmm. But you his held that space for bear, him. Mama Bear. I know because his mama, this boy is on the fast track to greatness. And we know sometimes that fast track, it could get us off track because there's too much pressure on these kids. And I was Come in that on. space. I was in that space. Yes. And he found a way to use his voice. So I still going to give credit to the fast tracking mama. She fast tracking for a purpose because sometimes we not seeing what the fast tracking is doing, but she also had to have give love or he wouldn't have been able to be vulnerable in any room at all. His mama put that in him because we'll skip and want to always ready to blame and shame instead of saying she gave him the ability to say, uh-uh, leave me alone with this pressure. I don't want to be a king. Leave me, you gonna give me a name like that? What y'all think about? Leave me alone. I know how that feels. I would say it to my kids and people were like, oh, so no, don't, didn't you just judge me for having four kids and now you want my help? No, I'm stressed out with four kids, remember? You know, <laughs> let me use that now. I'm your life must be hard. Yeah, so stop asking me to help yours. Right. Since I'm just in a I'm just walking around in disarray. Yeah, mm-hmm. boo, I am. I'm gonna use that now. Now after that, after I got sick, I said, okay, since I'm busted and must be crazy. We all the kids. I'm gonna use it. Why are you calling me, huh? No, actually, I'm not. I think it's harder when I had just one kid than when you have multiple ones. Because right now, if I only had one kid, I wouldn't be on this phone without a babysitter or something. And I got one, and I know what you mean. So he be like, "Mommy, I need another one." I'll be like, "Come on, because they built each other." And I am, I'm, I am a, a nation builder. I remember the first time I said this to somebody years, years. I was much younger. I think I had two kids, and she laughed at me, and I said, "Oh, because, because I'm Maryland." You know what I'm saying? I was. I was getting jokes on. I was in a psych ward in the South Bronx in 1990-something. You know how they were. I was a grunge goth girl, the original Wednesday, in an era where that was not cute. I did. I was defying everything, right? So now I'm grown. Someone laughed at me. I said, oh, she was like, well, I'm, I said, don't be, I said, now you just prove that it's right. When people laugh at you, God gets the glory, gets to show off. I said, when you humans show off, your boot, he can show off and buy you a car. Ain't nothing when like the original king, the original queen, the legacy of whatever you believe God is for you. When that original spirit is showing off, because you done said what I put in your life is a lie and they get to show it. We can show off for our kids and that's minimal. Imagine when, when God show off. So laugh at me, baby. Laugh at me, baby. Gossip about me, baby. Because Hollywood said, 
Oh, right. All publicity is good publicity, baby. So thank you for the angels are like, oh, we got to we got work. We get no work because Marilyn got laughed at today. Come on. Power of perspective, my sister. I love it. So what we getting ready to do? Because y'all going to be surprised. We're going to be jumping on IG live. But by the time y'all hear this, it'll already be for the replay for y'all. So Marilyn, why don't you just give me three quick tips? Normally I say five, but you was already talking. So you gave a few seeds. But let me, let me, give me like three tips you felt like really helped you on your journey that you want somebody else coming behind you to really hone in on in their vulnerability journey. Three things. Just run it down real quick. What you think? One, decide. Decide at a level where no one can pierce it. You have to decide. Not think it over, have ideas. Decide. I'm doing it. That's it. Not saying it's going to work out perfectly, but once we decide as powerful humans, it's done. Take decide. action. Okay, right? got it. Number two. Number two. Stay around action-oriented people. Not workaholics, not grinders, but action-oriented. Not people who send you an emoji when you say you're stuck in the snow, but people who come outside and help you change a tire. Hello. Okay. Uh, There's yeah. a difference. Action-oriented. Don't want to say, oh, your kids are doing this. No, you know what? How about Wednesday? I just come up for a few hours because I'll be in your neighborhood. And then on maybe next Thursday, you could come over my house. That's action-oriented community builders. That's who you need to be around, right? That's and good. Three, Number three. Love your stank ass, okay? Love yourself, girl. Come on now. Uh-huh. Funky, can't get out of bed, can't take a bath, underarms booming under you. Love her. Oh, you sexy thing. Mm -hmm. Don't what, what do they say? Don't beat the rock. Tap the rock. You the rock. We the rock. So go on and run your contact information. We're gonna get ready to wrap this up. And uh, we're going to get ready to jump on this live. So go ahead, run your contact information, Marilyn. How can we find you? You can find me at MarilynDeChef.com and MarilynDeChef on all social media. That is my name. On Facebook, my business page is Marilyn the Chef. Instagram, my page is Marilyn the Chef. TikTok, I'm Marilyn the Chef. <laughs> That's who Marilyn I am. The chef. Marilyn oh. the Chef, okay? <laughs> Well, listen, guys, this interview, like I said, normally everybody know I got a flow of questions, but me and Marilyn, we just had this energy ever since we we popped on our pre-interview. And so I wanted to give you guys a word about this vulnerability. Y'all better make sure y'all go check me out at Intentional Queen Journey. I'm on TikTok at Intentional Queen Journey. I'm on <laughs> Instagram. Intentional Queen Journey, like she said, and the website is intentionalqueenjourney.com. Make sure that you guys go ahead and subscribe to the free newsletter. You know the podcast comes out every other Thursday. By the time you're hearing this episode, we are going to be leveling you guys up on vulnerability and showing you a strength in that, okay? And... I want to make sure that you guys DM me or put up a review. Let us know that this was good. We came in with a word for you. Level up your intentional queen to a better you. We see you in two weeks. Bye-bye. Marilyn, give us a shout out saying bye-bye and we out of here. Later, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.